Well, this morning we come to a great matter, the body of Christ. For those that were not able to join us yesterday, I would just like to briefly mention the three main uh, factors for the vital church life that we touched yesterday. The first is that our God has an economy. That means our God has a plan. He has an arrangement. And this plan of God, this arrangement of God, is so that God could dispense Himself into man. And through God dispensing Himself into man, God gains in man a dwelling place. And God gains in man a body for His expression. So I hope with the matter of God's economy, we would remember it's God's arrangement for God to dispense Himself into man. And that dispensing produces in man God's dwelling place, which is the body of Christ for God's expression in man. Then in the second message... We saw with regards to this economy, for the working out of this economy, Christ is everything. He is the centrality. He is the universality. That means He is everything in God's economy. He is the all-inclusive Christ. Then, in the third message, we saw that this Christ, He went to the cross. And there on the cross, He did a work. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, there on the cross, He reconciled the two, the Jews and the Gentiles, into one body. So this Christ, He was crucified. We have to thank the Lord that there is such a thing as the cross of Christ. You know, there are many crosses in the universe, but there's only one unique cross of Christ. And it's through this cross that the church, the body of Christ, was brought forth. Then we also saw that it's only by the cross of Christ applied to us can we today live in the reality of the body. Well, this morning, we want to go further in our seeing of the matter of the body of Christ. And in particular, you'll notice in the title of this message, the body of Christ, the organism of the triune God. Well, maybe you have never heard such a word before, that the body of Christ is the organism of the triune God. Why? Why such a description of the body of Christ that it is an organism. Well, we need the help in seeing the revelation of the body of Christ, that the body of Christ is a reality. And the body of Christ is not merely a metaphor. And the body of Christ is not a figure of speech. And the body of Christ is not a matter of organization. No, the body of Christ is an organism. It's, it's something of life. It's something that is living. You know, you take our physical human body. Our physical human body is not a metaphor. It's not a figure of speech. And it's not an organization of just different parts organized to fit together in a certain way. No, more so. More so, our body is an organism. In our body, there is a life. There is our very being. You know, Brother Gary, if you could stand up real quick. Here's Gary. Right? Gary is not a figure of speech. Right? He, he is, he is alive. He is living. And here is Gary's body. Well, this body is just not a bunch of body parts that were organized in such a very good way, a very orderly way. There's something more important about this body 
There is the life of Gary in this body. The very being of Gary is his life. When his life ends, he ends. And this body contains what? The life of Gary. Then, because this body has the life of Gary in it, what can this body be used for by the life? It can be used for all kinds of activities. You know, if Gary is happy and he wants to praise the Lord, praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord! Wow. Hallelujah! The body is carrying out the activity of Gary. He wants to praise the Lord. If he wants a Coke or some ice cream, the body can go and get a Coke and get an ice cream. So this body, this body is not just a mere organization of many members. It's a living, living organism for the expression, the expression, thank you, of the life that's within the body. Well, likewise, the triune God, He is life. In fact, He's the most living one in the universe. And the Bible reveals to us that this triune God who is life, He wants a body. He wants a body as His organism. He wants a body that He would live in this body. That He would be the life of this body. And this body would manifest Him as life. This body would express Him as life just as a living organism expresses the life of that organism. So I hope, brothers and sisters, when we hear this word, the body of Christ, right away we would know very much it's a matter of life. It's a matter of the life of the triune God being in the members of the body to be the life of the body. And the body is for the activity, for the activity, for the expression of the life within. You know, in the New Testament, Paul, Paul was the one who wrote concerning the body of Christ. And it's significant that even at the time of his conversion, at the time of his salvation, he got a revelation of the body of Christ. Saul of Tarsus had those letters to go to Damascus to bind and throw into prison the followers of Christ. Yet on the way to Damascus, he was stopped. And the voice from the heavens spoke to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, the voice didn't say, why do you persecute my followers or my believers? But the voice said to Saul, why do you persecute me? Then Saul, realizing that voice must be his Lord, responded and said, Who are you, Lord? In other words, who am I persecuting? Then his Lord responded and said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Right there, what a revelation. First of all, that his Lord, Jehovah, was that man, Jesus, who had become a man, lived, died, resurrected, and now was in ascension. But also, he got the revelation that this Jesus was not only in the heavens, but this Jesus was still here on the earth. What? In all of the believers. In all the members of his body. And if you touch the members of the body of Christ, you are touching Christ. You know, if I was to come up to any of the brothers on the front row and strike their arm, they would probably respond, why did you strike me? Why did you hit me? I might say, no, no, no. I didn't hit you. I just hit merely your arm. Actually, they would say, no, you hit me. Then, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul goes on to say in that chapter, he says, just as our physical body has many members, yet these many members are just one body, so also is, now we were writing it, 
we would say, so also is the body of Christ. But he doesn't say that. He says, so also is the Christ. So also is the Christ. Realizing that we, we, as the many members of the body of Christ, we are Christ. We are Christ. Why? Because Christ lives in us. And not only is He living within us, He's full of activity within us. And through His activity in us, He is being expressed. So when you see the body of Christ, you see Christ. And when you touch the members of the body of Christ, you are touching Christ. Then, we know Paul also wrote of the body in the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, also in Colossians it's mentioned. But the book of Ephesians, this book, the book of Ephesians, is a book on the body of Christ. And if you go through the book of Ephesians, you see the church revealed there as the body of Christ. In chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 23, talks about the church, His body, the fullness of the One who fills all in all. If we read that carefully, we would see the church, which is His body. The fullness. The fullness there is not used as an adjective, is used as a noun. The body is the fullness. What is the fullness? The fullness is the expression of the one who fills it. Today, the church as the body of Christ is the fullness of Christ. We are to be filled with Christ, with the life of Christ. Christ living in us will then be expressed through us, and that makes us His fullness. Then in chapter 2, as we mentioned, there on the cross, Christ reconciled the two, the Jews and the Gentiles, into one body. Then in Ephesians 3.19, there you have the matter of the church as the body of Christ being the fullness, the fullness of God. Then in chapter 4, verse 16, regarding this body, it says this body grows. And the growth of the body results in the building up of the body. The body grows. The growth of the body. Well, for something to grow, it has to be organic. It has to be living. It has to be a matter of life. So even the building up of the body of Christ, it's, it's something of life. If the body is to be built up, then the life within the body must grow, must increase. And the life that's within the body is Christ Himself. Then in chapter 5, verse 30, it says we are members of His body. Well, the context here of why Paul says we are members of His body is he is likening Christ to a husband and the church the body, as the wife of the husband. Well, I don't know about you, but my wife is not a metaphor. My wife is not an organization. My wife is someone who's living, living, full of life. So we know from this expression, for the church to be the body of Christ, and for the body of Christ to be the bride of Christ, to be the wife of Christ, just as Christ is living, so must His bride be living. So must His wife be living. So this is why we can say the body of Christ is the organism of the triune God. It's altogether a matter of life. Whose life? Christ's life. Now let's come to Roman numeral 1. I'd like to go through, uh, in a good pace, the first three Roman numerals to allow adequate time for the, the latter points in the outline. Roman numeral 1 says, the vision of the body 
of Christ. We all need an unveiling, particularly an unveiling of our natural religious concept or understanding of the body of Christ. A vision, as we heard in message one, is an extraordinary seeing, an extraordinary view of something that man of something that man does not ordinarily see, nor is able to see. So when we receive a vision from the Lord of who He is and of what His uh, plan is, of what His intent, of what His purpose is, we would have to realize that these things that the Lord is revealing to us are not ordinary things. They're not things that man ordinarily sees, nor are they things that man can see, but they require an unveiling, an unveiling by God for us to see something extraordinary. The body of Christ is something that is not according to our natural seeing, our natural understanding. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, unveil me. Show me what is the reality of the body of Christ. He says, the goal of God's eternal economy is to create, to constitute, and to produce a body for Christ. Who will gain this body, which is a part of Himself, to be His counterpart, His bride, and consummately the new Jerusalem. This is what God's economy is for. To create, constitute, produce, to bring forth a body for Christ. It is Christ who will gain this body. We saw there, He did a work on the cross to bring forth His body. Today, what is Christ doing? As the one who fills all in all. First, He's filling the church which is His body, with Himself, so that we would be constituted with Christ. How can we say that we, the body of Christ, are Christ? Because Christ becomes our constituent. Through God's economy, God in Christ is working Himself into us. Then this body grows and is built up through what? the increase of Christ in us. And this body is also the bride of Christ. We know when we get to Revelation 19, the marriage of the Lamb has come. For the bride, the wife, has made herself ready. Made herself ready. And eventually we see that bride is the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. Well, in Ephesians 5, Paul tells us the church, the body, is the bride of Christ. Today, how are we made ready? How are we made ready to be the bride of Christ? Well, Christ wants His bride to match Him. To match Him. Just like Adam in Genesis 2, the first husband and wife, when he looked at Eve, he realized she was a perfect match. She was a reproduction of Him because she came out of Him. Had the same constituent as Him. And He looked at her and said, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You know, on that wedding day, when Christ looks at the church, His body, there'll be a certain joy there. Finally, my bride, my body has made herself ready. Because... They have allowed me, allowed me to fill them with myself. And now I see a match. I see a match. I see my body is filled up with me. This is a matter of life. So for the bride to be ready, Christ as our life must grow in us and must reach maturity in us till Christ sees His expression in full 
in us, his body. Then B says, the all-inclusive and all-extensive Christ, the one who fills all in all, needs a body as his counterpart for his expression. Then C, the body of Christ is the organism of the triune God in his move, is the accomplishment of God's economy according to the good pleasure of his will. Ephesians 1.5 says, The Father had predestinated us unto sonship through Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. There in eternity past, the triune God, who is the I Am, the self-existing, the ever-existing One, who has need of nothing for His existence, something came up within Him that became His good pleasure. And what came up within Him? What was His good pleasure that later became His, his will that He would get that which pleases Him? Is he said, I would like to be expressed through man. Through man. So one day, this triune God became a man. Became a man. And we saw yesterday in Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2, in the Son of God, the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell. And when the Son of God in incarnation put on humanity, put on a human body. It says, this fullness, this expression of the Godhead dwelt in this one bodily. And the Father was delighted in this one. But we know this one, this one, through the steps of incarnation, death, resurrection, and dispensing now Himself into His believers to make them His enlargement to make them the many members of the body of Christ. He is still today expressing God in a bodily form. Not just in His glorified body in the heavens, but also today in His body on the earth. This is what pleases God. It pleases God to be expressed in and through humanity. This is the body of Christ. We'll see. We'll see in the next Roman numeral. The constituents of this body. Okay, let's all read D together. The body of Christ. So here, the body of Christ is a constitution of the processed and consummated triune God. When we see the word processed, it can be understood as steps that the triune God took for the working out of His economy. Consummated means He has finished those steps. He has been processed, He has been consummated, so that... Now, he is able to dispense himself into man. Who is man that God is dispensing himself into? These are the regenerated ones. And these are the ones who are being transformed. And so the body of Christ, we have to see, is an issue. Issue, firstly, of the dispensing of the triune God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we see the Father there dispensing His life and nature into us because He chose us to be holy and He predestinated us unto sonship. Then we have the dispensing of the Son in verse 7 to 12 where the Son came to accomplish redemption. Then this one has been given to be head over all things, over all things, and to head up all things. You know, we mentioned yesterday that the matter of Christ being the head 
or the matter of headship is to restore the proper order in the universe. You know, we have to understand something. When we touch the matter of the headship uh, for the restoring of the order, it's not at all according to our natural fallen concept. When we think of someone being the head to restore order, we think of them restoring order in the way of being authoritarian, of let me tell you the way it will be. But this is not the way Christ carries out his headship. Firstly, how does he carry out his headship? He dispenses himself as life into us. The more he dispenses himself as life in us, and the more he is living in us, the more he is heading us up. The more he's restoring in us the proper order. Then also we have, in the same chapter, in verses 13 and 14, we have the Holy Spirit in us, dispensed in us, to do a sealing work, to do a soaking work, a saturating work, to produce in us the image of Christ. Well, we have dispensing, but then when we get to the end of chapter 1, we have not just dispensing, but we have a transmission, a transmission of the power that operated in Christ in raising Him from the dead, seating Him in the heavenlies, subjecting all things under His feet, and giving Him to be head over all things to, to the church. And Paul says we need to see the operation of this power that today is to the church. How can the body of Christ come forth today? Firstly, within us, there's a dispensing going on. The triune God is dispensing Himself. And also, along with this dispensing, the triune God is transmitting both within us and upon us this power, this fourfold power that's able to raise ones from the dead, able to seat them in the heavenlies, able to subject things under their feet, and able to head them up. There's such a power operating within us today to make us the body of Christ. But then also it says it's the consummation of the ministering of the riches of Christ. You know, the fullness is the expression of all the riches of God. Well, today, Christ, who's the fullness of God, the expression of all the riches of God, He's dispensing Himself, ministering Himself in all of His unsearchable riches into us, the members of His body. And the more He ministers Himself with His unsearchable riches, the more there will be the expression of those riches of Christ within us. You know, there was a brother who came to the U.S. And when he came to the U.S., he was a very skinny brother. Very skinny. Uh, Probably because where he came from, they didn't have an abundance of food. Very skinny. But when he came to the U.S., he discovered the U.S. is rich. Rich in food. Now, when you see this brother, he is no longer skinny. Uh, he, he is very full. There is a very full expression in this brother of what? The riches, the riches of America. Well, we as the body of Christ, we need to be filled up with the riches of Christ. Then there will be more fullness, more expression of Christ. Okay, now Roman numeral 2, the Constitution of the body of Christ. A, the the body of Christ is a divine and human constitution constituted with, one, the regenerated and transformed believers as its outward, visible frame. They're in its members, Ephesians 5.30, because we are members of His body. So if we look around the room, we can see something outward, We can see something visible. We can see all the members here of the body of Christ. You know, the word member is significant. Member implies not separate and not complete units. When you realize you're a member, you will realize you are not a separate and complete unit. But you are actually part of a living functioning, coordinating, corporate 
whole. And that as members, we are organically joined to all the other members. And we need all the other members and the function of all the other members. You know, look at our body, right? Many members. But no member of our body is a separate member. And no member of our body in itself is complete. It needs all the other members. And it needs the function of all the other members. You know, we should have this realization. Who are we? We are a member. We are a member. But as a member, I cannot be separate from all the other members. Then two says, the processed and consummated triune God as its inward, invisible content. So that's why we can call the body of Christ a divine and human constitution. Outwardly, you have the members. Who's that? That's us. Those with humanity. But the body of Christ is not just a gathering of a bunch of humanity to do some good humanitarian works. No, the body of Christ has its outward visible frame, us, the members, with our humanity. But there is something within all of us. There is an invisible content. What is our, well, who is our invisible content? It is the triune God. He says, it's God the Father who is over all, through all, and in all as its source. It's God the Son who is the Lord as its element. And God the Spirit as its essence. This is Ephesians 4, 4 4-6. If we go backwards here, verse 6, we see the Father. He is the source of life. He is the source of the life of the body. And this life of the Father is embodied in the Son, Christ. And Christ is the element of the body. That's why we are called the body of Christ. But Christ, who is the life of the body, who's the element of the body, He comes today to us as the Spirit. The Spirit. So the Spirit is the essence of the body. Well, saints, I'd like to illustrate this for us. This divine human constitution. It's not just us. It's not just humanity. But there must be God Himself. You know, if I were to put up here an orange, a grapefruit that was small, about the size of an orange, and a lemon that's large, about the size also of an orange. And if I were to peel off the skin and have the three sitting here, would you be able to tell which one is an orange, which one is a grapefruit, which one is a lemon? Not so easy. Not so easy to tell. They look kind of similar. But if I were to squeeze the juice out of the orange, out of the grapefruit, out of the lemon, and give that to you to partake of, right away you would be very clear. That's the orange, that's the grapefruit, and that's the lemon. You know, today, when we talk about the body of Christ, we need to be careful not to think just merely in an outward way that the body of Christ uh, is just a bunch of uh, believers who are gathered together and they have some teachings of Christ and they follow the outward uh, life that Christ lived. Actually, what's critical? There must be an inward essence. There must be an inward essence. What's that inward essence? It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit. For us today to be the reality of the body of Christ, we must have within us the Spirit. And all of our living together and all of our activities together must be the Spirit. Not just some mere teachings. Not just some mere outward practices. But there must be the Spirit. Then this brings us to point B. The formation of the body of Christ is through the baptism of the Spirit in the economical trinity. Now in Acts 
1.5, the Lord told uh, the disciples there right before he ascended, he said, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the Lord said, wait, not many days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now these ones that the Lord was speaking to, they had already received the Spirit into them as their life. Because on the day of resurrection, the Lord breathed into those disciples and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So they had received the Spirit within them, but these ones who were now the believers of Christ, now the many members of Christ, they needed to be formed into the body of Christ. And for this, there needed not only to be the Spirit within them, essentially for their life, but there also needed to be the Spirit coming upon them, baptizing them to form these many members into one body. Then as we read through Acts, we see there are only two, two accounts there of the, that are referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The first account is on the day of Pentecost where the Spirit was poured out upon the Jewish, the Jewish believers. And then in the house of Cornelius in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, on the Gentile believers. And there in God's eyes, all the Jewish believers were represented by those there on the day of Pentecost. All the Gentile believers were represented there by those in the house of Cornelius. In God's eyes, it's an accomplished fact that the body of Christ has been formed. Formed not just only with the Spirit within the believers, but the Spirit upon them. That's why in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul says, for we have all, all been baptized into one body. How were we baptized into one body? For we were baptized in one spirit. In one spirit. In the Lord's eyes, it was an accomplished fact. For us, how does that accomplished fact get applied to us? It's at the time of our baptism. Those who uh, baptize us, you know, you can't baptize yourself. You have to be identified with the body. Some have to put their hands on you. And these ones who are baptizing, they're very clear. We're not just putting you into the water. We're also baptizing you into the Spirit. The Spirit that has already been poured out upon the body. Therefore, we are baptizing into the Spirit and baptizing you into the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. We have the Spirit within and we have the Spirit without upon us, making us the body of Christ. Then C says the growth of the body of Christ is by the increase of the triune God within all its members who grow into the head Christ in everything. So the the constitution of the body of Christ, inwardly, it has the triune God as its life. How does this living organism grow? It grows with the growth of God within us. That means it grows with the increase of the element of God within us. Now, I want to quickly go through Roman numeral 3 and then come to Roman numeral 4. Let's read Roman numeral 3 together. The reality of the body of Christ. Okay, brothers, A. Okay, it's corporate. It's not an individual living. It's a corporate living by perfected God-men. We have to realize today, we're not just men anymore. God is in us. The life of God is in us. To be our life and our living. When we take the life of God that's in Christ through the Spirit in us, that makes us God-men. Today we have to learn how to have a corporate living together as a God-man. When we come together, we don't want to just be a bunch of men living by our natural life together. No, we want to learn how to be God-men. And we need to be perfected. But even in the matter of perfecting someone in their living, the most important thing in perfecting someone in their living is the matter of life and the growth in life. You know, parents perfect their children, but 
the main part of their perfecting is just to keep supplying their children, feeding their children, to cause their children to grow. When there's more growth, there can be more perfecting. So today, our being perfected is not just with outward instruction and learning, but more so it's by the growth of the life of God within us. Then sisters, B, it is a corporate living. So it's not just the corporate living as a God-man. It's the corporate living to the conformity of the death of Christ through the power of the resurrection of Christ. You know, Philippians 3.10, Paul said to know Him, right? And to be conformed to His death uh, through the power of resurrection and to be in the fellowship of the Lord's sufferings. Paul considered the death of Christ as a mold that he was put in for his living. And how was he able to live in this mold of the death of Christ and to be conformed to Christ's death? That means to die to himself, to die to his natural life. He could only do it by the power of the resurrection life of Christ. Today, today in the church life, we all need, we all need to be conformed to the death of Christ. But how can we be conformed to the death of Christ? We need to experience the power of Christ's resurrection. You know, brothers, when we go to talk to our wife, who's a fellow member of the body of Christ, oh, if only our words would be in the mold of Christ's death. Wouldn't we have a much sweeter married life? Your wife says something, You can't help but want to say something back. But deep within, there's someone telling you, just be conformed right now to the mold of my death. Don't say those words. And then you inwardly to the Lord say, but Lord, it's impossible for me to not say those words. But then the Lord says, but by me, with the power of my resurrection, it's possible for you to stay in the mold of my death. And don't say those words. Well, not just with our spouse, the fellow members, so much with each other. How we need need to stay, what? In the mold of Christ's death by the power of His resurrection. Then see, let's all read C together. It is also a mingling living, the eternal union of the regenerated, transformed, glorified, tripartite men. With the triune God. It's it's a mingling living. It doesn't say it's a mingled living because it's not yet completed. It's an ongoing experience. We need to learn in our daily living to be mingled, mingled more with the triune God. You know, in the... Uh, recent Memorial Weekend conference, uh, the general subject was on the experience of Christ. And there was a point in the first outline touching the matter of the church, which we know is the body of Christ. And the point was this, the church life, which we could say the body life, is the sum total of our Christian living. What's that mean? It means that we all live Christ in our Christian living. And our Christian living being added together is what makes the church life. In other words, the church life is not just the times of meeting together. The church life, in reality, is the sum total of our living, our Christian living. And what should our Christian living be? It should be Christ, who is our life and our living. Well, we could say here with the matter of mingling, what is the reality of the body of Christ? The reality of the body of Christ is how much in our Christian living there is the mingling of the triune God with us. How much? How much in our daily Christian life do we allow the triune God to mingle 
Himself more with us. Isn't, isn't there still so many aspects of our living where we need to allow Christ to mingle Himself more and more with us? When there's more mingling, we in Christ, Christ in us, there's more reality of the body of Christ. Now let's all read Roman numeral 4 together. The living of the body of Christ. Okay. To me, this is very helpful. uh, This matter of the living of the body of Christ. We're going to see, for the living of the body of Christ, we need Christ as the element. We need the Spirit as the essence. We need the death and resurrection of Christ as the regulation. And we need the life of Christ and the body itself as the principle. Okay, so A says... The members, that's us, should take Christ as their head, as their life, as their content, as their principal object, as their center, and their goal. So if you look at all those verses, each verse, when you go in the order, lines up with the order of what we should take Christ as. He is the head. He is the life. He is the content. Oh, I love this. He is the principal object. When you look at the body of Christ, what should be the principal object? It must be Christ. When you look, you say, I'm seeing Christ. It's not so good if you are the principal object. It's not so good when you visit a locality and there you're among the saints and you realize Someone's strong personality. Someone's strong preference. A way of doing things is the principal object that I am observing here in this church life. No, the principal object must be Christ. We must walk away with the realization, I just saw Christ! This is why it's so good to blend in the body of Christ. I'm so happy so many of you paid a price to blend, to come here this weekend. And I hope when you walk away from these gatherings, the principal object you saw is Christ. And it's good for all of us to practice blending, to go and to see wherever we go, what do we see in the local churches? We just see Christ. Well, for this, today Christ is the Spirit. So B says the Spirit... The body, the body has the Spirit as its essence, its reality, and takes the Spirit as its secret and effectiveness. Well, the essence within, for the reality of the body, the living of the body, is the Spirit. And even the reality of our moving without is also the Spirit. So for our living and for our moving, our acting as the body, it must be what? Only the Spirit. The Spirit. Then the Spirit becomes our secret. You know, Paul talked about this in Philippians 4. He says, I've learned the secret. When he says, learn the secret, it literally means, I have been initiated. You know, if we want to be in the living of the body, we've all got to be initiated in to the living of the body. What's the living of the body? It's not you and I trying to get along. You and I trying to like one another. Trying to be joined together. The secret is the Spirit. When you and I come together in the Spirit, it's by the Spirit that we can have the living of the body. Well, let's go on to see. The members should take the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ as their regulation. I love this, saints. I love this. We are the body of Christ. We are the members of this, this organism. Uh, and we need regulation. We need regulation. The members, you know, our, our human body has many members. All these members are under a regulation. They know how to function together, how to, 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 to live together. Something is regulating them, regulating them. What's well, very mysterious, you know, in the body of Christ, among us. What's our regulation? What's regulating us in our coming together? Is it a person, a strong person? Are they regulating us, telling us, 
This is the way it's going to be. This is what you're going to do. Do we have this kind of regulation in the body of Christ? No, not at all. But do we say we have no regulation in the body of Christ? Like James said, sometimes one's coming out of certain uh, Christian groups where there was a strong leader there. They come here and say, oh, this looks wonderful. Seems like there's no one in charge here. There's no one regulating here. Oh, I like to be here. Well, is there really no regulation here? No, that's not true. There's a lot of regulation here. In fact, there is a lot stronger regulation here in the body than in a place where there's just merely a person trying to regulate. What's our regulation? It's the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. You know, the body was brought forth in Christ's resurrection with the resurrection life of Christ. There is a strong regulation here that everything done here must be done in resurrection. It must be done in the resurrection life of Christ. There is no place for anything else but the resurrection life of Christ. And anything, anything apart from this resurrected Christ with His resurrection life in us, anything apart from that needs to go to the cross. Have we touched this regulation? This is how we can live together. The many members who've been saved and brought from many backgrounds, many cultures, many nationalities, all all with our own natural life, our own way of doing things. How can we ever have such a living together? Do we need outward rules that tell us, this is, if you take care of these, this will cause you to be able to live together as one body? That won't last very long. Eventually, some will protest. These rules, I don't like them. I've got some other rules. But the regulation is this. All that you are in your natural life, with all of its preferences, all of its ways of doing things, all of your cultural things, national things, they all need to go to the cross. They all need to pass through the cross to be there in the death of Christ. And that the only life you take for the living of the body of Christ is the resurrection life of Christ. Now that's a strong regulation. Sometimes I marvel. I marvel as I'm living the body life and I'm going to coordinate with members. I just Before I go, I'm just a little bit worried. How is this going to end up? It seems like one wants to go west, the other one wants to go east. They're both very strong and I want to go north. How are we ever going to work something out together? But when we're there and we allow the death of Christ to operate, when we exercise to be in the resurrection life of Christ... Wonderful, wonderful. We just are able to live together and work something out together. Okay, D says the members should take life and the body as the principle. So with the body of Christ in our relationship, we take life as our principle. That means our principle is we don't do things according to organization. We do things according to life. The life of Christ. Then, the body as our principle is that the body is a corporate matter. That means we do not do anything in an individualistic way. But we do things joined with the body. In fellowship with the body. Now, Roman numeral 5. The oneness of the body. How about we all read A together? The oneness. The body of Christ. Aspiration. Express prayer to the Father. Okay, sisters, one. Brothers, two. Okay, altogether, three. In the divine glory. So now we come to a great matter, the oneness of the body of Christ. 
I think we all realize that there's one head, Christ, and this one Christ, the head, has one body. And that this body needs to be one. Even though it has many members, these many members need to be one. Well, in John 17, in the Lord's Prayer there, we see three factors of oneness. Three factors of oneness. But I'd like to just point out that oneness is the top attribute of the triune God. The top attribute of the triune God. So actually, we cannot be one without the triune God. We cannot be one without the triune God dispensing himself into us. This is the source of our oneness. Well, the first factor is the Father's name. He gave us the Father's name. Only those born of God the Father and having the Father's life can participate in the Father's name. So this means in order for us to be one, it's a matter of us being in the Father's life. Then the Word. The Son is the Word, but this is a living Word, an operative Word that comes within us to sanctify us, to saturate us with the One who is the Word. That's Christ. To separate us from the world. Only by this One, Christ, the Word, the living Word, coming into us, sanctifying us, soaking and saturating us with Himself, can we be separated from the worldly things and the worldly living? Then we have the divine glory. You know, we have been all been brought in to participate in the divine glory. What's the divine glory? It's the expression of God. Okay, I want to go to B. B says, it is of the Spirit, hence it is called the oneness of the Spirit, which oneness the believers should keep diligently in the uniting bond of peace. Be diligent to keep the oneness of the Spirit. Oneness is of the Spirit. The Spirit is the triune God reaching us. Remember, the top attribute of the triune God is oneness. And Paul says, be diligent. That means... We need to diligently keep. We need to preserve by guarding. We need to safeguard the oneness by keeping the Spirit. This means apart from the Spirit, there is no way for us to keep the oneness. This is why we have to do everything in the Spirit. When we do everything in the Spirit, we are being diligent to keep the oneness of the Spirit. Okay, see, in the whole universe, there is only one unique body of Christ with the triune God as its contents. The one Spirit is the essence of its contents. The one Lord is the element of its contents. God the Father is the source of its contents. D, this oneness is partly of the faith and partly of the full knowledge of the Son of God, which all the members, which all the believers need to arrive. <clears throat> Saints, I want to just go quickly to allow some time for Roman numeral 6 and then to give you time to respond. In Ephesians 4.3, we see oneness is of the Spirit. That means we have the oneness in reality because it's of the Spirit. We have all received the Spirit. We have received the Spirit within, and we have all been put into the Spirit. But then in Ephesians 4, verse 13, Paul says, until we all arrive at the oneness. Then he goes on to say, this oneness that we need to arrive at is partly the oneness of the faith and also partly the oneness of the full knowledge of the Son of God. Faith here refers not to our believing ability, but to that which we believe in. We need to arrive 
at the oneness of that which we believe in. It includes the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the deity of the person of Christ. It includes the redemptive work of Christ. It includes many points. And we all need to arrive at the oneness of the faith and also at the oneness of the full knowledge of the Son of God. The full knowledge of the Son of God is our apprehension of the revelation of the Son of God in our experience. So we not only need to arrive at the oneness of what we believe in, but we need to arrive at the oneness of our experience of the one that we believe in. And we need to keep growing in life until we arrive at this oneness. And as we grow in life and brought more and more into this practical oneness, we need to realize we have to drop, drop all our minor, minor doctrinal concepts that cause divisions among us so that we can arrive at a practical oneness. You know, just briefly, a lot of divisions are caused in the body over minor teachings. Minor teachings. How about baptism? Is baptism taught in the Bible? Yes, it is. But what about how you baptize someone? In what kind of water do you baptize them? Oh, baptism was in the River Jordan. Therefore, all genuine baptisms must be in the River Jordan. Such a minor thing will cause a lot of divisions in the body. How about we just be simple? Part of our faith is we need to believe and we need to be baptized. And then when we believe and baptize, we are brought into a union with Christ to enjoy Christ. Baptism is not for us to fight over. What water do you use? And do you do it forward or backward? Well, just straight down. No, these are minor things. But you think a lot of divisions come out of minor things. So we need to be diligent to keep the oneness. And we need to keep growing in life, to grow out of all the minor things that we hold on to, that we uplift until we arrive at the oneness of the faith and the full knowledge of the Son of God. Now, with the remaining few minutes, I'd like to just read to you Ephesians 4, 12-16. And this will... uh, provide a a way for the next message. In chapter 4, Paul talks about the growth and the building up of the body of Christ. And what is mentioned here is missed in Christianity. I'm going to read this to you. I shall start with verse 11. He himself, Christ, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as shepherds and teachers for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of the ministry unto the building up of the body of Christ. Then I'll go down to 15 and 16. But holding to truth and love, we may grow up into Him, that's Christ, in all things, who is the head, Christ, out from whom, Christ, All the body is being joined together and being knit together through every joint of the rich supply and through the operation in the measure of each one part causes causes the growth of the body unto the building up of itself in love. This great missing in Christianity, is yes, among the members of His body, Christ has given some to the body as gifts. These are the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the shepherd teacher. The natural way, and the way we see a lot in Christianity, these gifted ones, they do all the work related to the growth and the building up of the body of Christ. And they replace the other members of the body of Christ. But that's not the Lord's arrangement. He gave some, and in verse 12, He says very clearly, why did He give these ones? He didn't give them to the body for these ones to do all the work. 
but rather he gave them for the perfecting of the saints. That means for them to supply the function to the saints. For them to bring the saints. Who are the saints? It's you and I. The ones who are not gifted. Who are the members of Christ's body. He gave these ones to perfect us. To supply us with a way that we would function. Then you go on. When these saints are supplied with a way to function, unto means it results in the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is the saints being brought into function. And then the result of when the saints, the many members of the body, are brought into function. This results in the building up of the body of Christ. Then in verse 16, out from Christ the head, all the body is being joined together, being knit together through, on one hand, the joints of the rich supply and through the operation in the measure of each one part. Saints, as a member of the body of Christ, we each have our part. We each have our function. And the Lord has given some to the body to perfect us, to supply us with a way to function. But we must function. Then when we function together, this causes the growth of the body. Which causes the building up of the body in love. This in love is not our natural love for one another. This is God who is love. Who causes us to love the head and causes us to love the members of the body. And because we love the members of the body and because we love the head, in this love we are willing to function. Because we realize that when we all function together, this causes the growth and the building up of the body of Christ. When the body of Christ is full grown, when it's built up, then Christ can come back for His bride. Okay, how about we do this? Let's just read through the remaining points. Uh, let's just alternate brothers and sisters. Brothers, we start on A. The body is built up with Christ's life as its element, the spirit of reality as its essence, and the person of God as its soul. Sisters, the body... The Lord's recovery is the recovery of the functioning of all the members of the body of Christ. Every member. Amen. Saints. Everyone can preach the gospel. Yes. Everyone. The body builds itself up in love. Rejoint. The body is knit together. The operation in the measure of each one part. Then let's all, amen. Then let's all read the last Roman numeral and subpoints, and then the brothers will tell us what to do. The consummation of the body of Christ. 